Hey, everybody. Welcome back to episode two of the Hockey Show podcast. Very excited to be here. And we are now a part of ESPNHarrisonburg.com under the podcast section. So, yeah, we're – dude, John, we're an ESPN show. I don't remember agreeing to this. Uh, you agreed to it. You signed your soul over, and you are not allowed to work for anybody else now ever. Um, you now are owned by ESPN. Well, we'll see what our representatives have to say about that. I have I have no representation, so that's that's led to a lot of problems in life. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't got it, we're in trouble. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I'm Nick, and uh, that is my buddy John. And yeah, we're here to talk hockey with everybody. And last week, our first episode, we did uh, Eastern Conference breakdown. We uh, gearing up for the season, which is officially underway. By the way, uh, yes, puck drop hasn't dropped in the tuesday night games by the time you hear this but uh there was one game that maybe we'll discuss i don't know uh but we're gonna get into our western conference preview in this episode uh, let you know what we think of the teams even the two teams that did play on saturday but before we get there i guess we got to talk about it it is the biggest story out of hockey right now and it's uh it's a tough one so let's just get into it let's get it radio out of the way. 101 baby start with something awful yeah, hit them with the sad news and then end with the positive stuff, which is us just taking your favorite team and telling you how much they suck and are not going to win the Stanley Cup this year. Uh, but yeah, um, let's let's get into it. The story broke over the weekend. Tampa Bay Lightning defenseman um, Ian Cole has been accused of some pretty crazy things uh, to the point where the Tampa Bay Lightning have now suspended him as of Sunday night pending an investigation. And this is all due to allegations made on social media on Twitter that he sexually abused a woman when she was a minor. And it wasn't just sexual abuse. It was grooming. It was a full length breakdown of a, a long history with him and this anonymous woman on Twitter that shared the story uh, I, I don't want to go into all the details of it because it is pretty upsetting. It's very graphic. It's very disturbing. Um, but this now raises a, a big question of you and I, we haven't gotten to talk a lot about this and it seems like we're about to, but it's raised a lot of eyes on hockey culture with everything that's been going on with uh, up in Canada right now. Uh, and just a long history of, Really, the last year, a lot of stories like this, the Blackhawks, uh, Canada, now the Lightning having to respond to this story. So what's your take, John? How do you feel? Uh, you, 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 you saw the allegations, right? Yes, I did. Uh, I, and, and, and obviously, this is something that if given the choice, we'd rather not talk about, but mm -hmm. it would be remiss of us not to bring it up at, at some point and make sure if some people don't know about it, maybe this is how they find out. Uh, but yeah, this is, it's awful that this sort of thing keeps coming up and keeps happening. You know, this isn't a one-off situation where a player has been accused of some kind of misconduct. There's been uh, world junior teams that have been engaged in sexual assault. Uh, there's everything that happened with the Chicago Blackhawks as one of their coaches sexually assaulting a player. Uh, everything you learn about Hockey Canada lately. And and this isn't just limited to hockey. This is happening in women's soccer recently had something mm -hmm. coming out about this. The U.S. gymnastics team had a doctor that was doing things appropriately. And it makes you wonder how much 
people can keep hearing about this before they start to tune it out after a while is that it just keeps since it comes up again and again and again how long is it until people just start to get past the point of the shock and the outrage and the anger that comes along with a sexual assault allegation then just kind of being oh well you know another sexual assault allegation came up yeah it's it's uh... It's been a tough go of it. And, and it is, you're right. It, it's, it's at this point now, it feels like we're just kind of repeating the cycle of like, Oh, another one. Oh, another one. Oh, another one. And becoming a little numb to it after the other ones that have broken, like the Blackhawk story was so big. And so, Oh my God, how could this be? And we thought, Hey, there's a cleaning up in the sport and all of that. And then the hockey night in Canada story breaks. And it's like, Oh my God. And some of those players are active right now. And, you know, people have had to come out and talk about that and make comments about that. Now you hear this story uh, with a 13 year vet, a guy that's coming up on his 13th year and has played for a few different teams. So we're unsure where this happened, when it happened, but it, it happened to a point and some of the details indicate that other people knew about it. Other players knew what he was doing, which just again is the silence of the locker room, which is like what we saw in Chicago we've seen even with certain people that will not acknowledge anything with the hockey night in Canada, uh, you know, situation that's going on there. So it's, it's upsetting. It's definitely upsetting. It's, uh, you know, the NHL is doing their investigation. I would like to see where this investigation leads because, you know, not to be that guy and say, Oh, don't take it seriously. But it was just an anonymous Twitter account that was Mm -hmm. created Less than a month ago, it is the only tweet that account has, but that does not mean it is not true. That does not mean it's not true. And I'm not, I'm not, I just want to make clear that I'm not saying that that's the case, that because it's an account with one tweet, that it's not true. Yeah. You're, you're innocent until proven guilty, but at the same time, an accuser needs to be believed until they give you a reason not to. Yes. And there's Um, nothing here that indicates no reason not to. And not to mention, I I, I didn't do the digging on it, but I saw people bringing it up. Apparently, this isn't the first kind of suspect thing involving him to begin with. Yeah, that that seems to be the case. And on those sort of things, usually where there's smoke, there's fire. And, Mm -hmm. And hockey almost has a tradition of having reactions to these that makes the situation worse. Uh, do you remember a Los Angeles Kings defenseman named Slava Voinov? I, I do, but please uh, elaborate for the audience. Uh, mercilessly beat his wife. I, I, and I go out of my way not to use the more comfortable term of, you know, a domestic, you know, dispute situation. No, the guy threw his wife's head into a television. Uh, you know, the LAPD investigated it. He went to jail for 90 days. Uh, While this was all playing out, he was suspended indefinitely from it. And eventually the team uh, thought that he might be kind of lonely. So they brought him to a practice because, you know, he missed his boys. Uh, Thankfully, the NHL responded to that by fining the Kings $100,000 as a way of saying, hey, we're not playing with this. Uh, But, you know, even the Hockey Canada situation, uh, you know, their reaction to that made it worse the blackhawks reaction to their situation made it worse straight cover up in chicago yeah and then turning around and saying hey we paid a bunch of money you know we you know we're done with this we don't have to talk Mm -hmm. about this anymore 
So what what I would I'd call it giving them credit if it wasn't like the bare minimum thing to do is the lightning have suspended Ian Cole. Uh, he's not going to be playing with the team traveling, anything of those lines while this all kind of plays out. Uh, I couldn't really confirm if it's the lightning are going to be doing an investigation or like law enforcement is doing an investigation. I think, I think the NHL is the one that's doing the league wide one. I don't know if there's actually, I'm sure that there is a police investigation that's going along with it. And that's probably what the league is going to be following. But I definitely know that it is the NHL, not, not Tampa is not doing it because at the same time, he just signed the one year deal with them. Mm -hmm. I, I I, taking, you know, everything into account. I don't, it did not happen in Tampa. So I think the lightning are trying to figure out where the hell this happened who they need to, you know, what proper guidelines they need to go through to figure out the situation. But yeah, the NHL I know is doing the investigation, but it also, that in and of itself raises a whole other question of, you you mentioned like women's soccer and all of those. And the NHL is a league that doesn't really, you hinted at it kind of has reactions that cause bigger problems. So they're not really the most trusted in this situation, uh, similar to like the NFL at times and, and other leagues where you're just like, you tend to protect the player a lot more than actually hand out the punishment, even if there is proof. So I, there's a little bit of hesitation on me knowing that the NHL is doing the investigation. Cause I could see them just going, well, it was all anonymous wiping off the hands. Yeah. I, I think it's reasonable to think that that could be something that potentially ends up happening here but the it's just you get so sick and tired of hearing stuff like this come up and and you and it's it's worth keeping in mind sort of what you mentioned about him other teammates other you know hockey players knowing about this and not doing anything about it is that you know in in a vacuum i can kind of get that Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's tough to be the guy that's, you know, turn on one of your buddies or especially someone that's supposed to have your back while you're out on the ice and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but having to live with this is knowing that you could have done something to prevent it, probably going to make it worse. Yeah, um, I guess I guess we'll see how this plays out. It's not going to play out anytime within the next week. It's going to it's going to take a few months. I mean, do you see a, a path to him playing at any point with Tampa Bay this year? Or is this going to drag out all year? And, and you know, it, eventually it, we find out what, what happened. It would take a lot. And law enforcement doesn't tend to move very quickly on these sort of things. So in the sense of getting an answer quickly, I kind of trust the NHL a little more in the sense that they're probably going to hire a law firm that's going to be able to use all the resources at their disposal to focus on that and nothing else and probably be able to figure out if there's, you know, truth to this sort of thing. So if they dig into it and they're able to come up with reasons why uh, it's not a credible allegation, then, you know, this will be similar to the time True Doughty was accused of something or Patrick Kane, although some of us never really believe Patrick Kane. Uh, the, the whole situation behind that is just it's it, it's possible he ends up playing for him this year, but I feel like that is 
besides the point that it's just disgusting that this continues to happen so consistently and so credibly in any sport. Yeah, it's something needs to change in the culture, but uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep you up to date. Uh, you know, again, we're not here to play it fluff pieces. We're not going to cover up. We're going to address the, the big stories of the week. And that is absolutely at the top of the list of big stories uh, that, have, that have come out of the NHL. <laughs> it's just a shame that it, it, it tends to be a cycle of some of the similar situations constantly happening. You know, the NHL still doesn't have a domestic abuse policy. And that is absolutely wild to think. You would think that they would sit back and see everything that happened to the NFL and say, hey, we should have something in place too. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, even Major League Baseball has something in place. Yeah. And, I, and, I'm, pre- and I'm positive the NBA does. So, you know, yeah. come on. You know, if Gary Bettman was really a plant from the uh, NBA people, like even, even he would should know to fix that but that's that's wild to think i because i really figured that they did and that's what they were following right now was suspension and investigation but holy crap if, if ever there's a time for you to do it as well like right now right now is the time to get together but maybe could that be a union thing as well like a players association thing because i know that was an issue i had with the with the nfl right now was the protection of Deshaun Watson over there when, you know, speaking of sexual assaults and stuff like that. So incredible, really incredible, not just one anonymous one, uh, 20 plus actual massage employees, uh, massage parlor employees. So, you know, but I know that he got protected due to the players association and the unions. Yeah. And and in a situation like that, the union's job is to, defend whoever amongst their uh members is the most vulnerable and in that mm-hmm. case it happens to be the accused i get that 100 percent. that's the whole reason you want a union there to begin with if you're ever accused of something truthfully or otherwise you want somebody having your back i get that i don't like it but i feel like you if you argue with unions doing that you're you might as well be arguing with oxygen it's not going anywhere yeah. Uh, but the, for situations like that to come about, you would think that when it comes time to collectively bargain things, they have a vested interest in limiting things like this as much as they can as well. Yeah, it's it. It really it would do everybody better to have something in place, uh, but they don't. And, you know, hey, it's the NHL. We'll see what happens. Um Let's move on from the heavy stuff and get into uh, our second part, our Western Conference breakdown for the upcoming 2022-23 season. And, you know, because there's really no way to transition out of that. Yeah. Just moving on. (laughs) Yeah, I won't hold that against you. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. There's just, there's nothing there. It's, 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 it's a train wreck to move on from there. Um, But let's jump into the central. Let's try and talk a little hockey. Let's try and hype up the season here. Uh, and why not start out of the central with our defending Stanley cup champion, uh, Colorado avalanche. Um, this is a team that's still good. I don't care. They might've lost, uh, Kadri. They might've lost, uh, you know, added, uh, Georgiev as their starting goalie. They're still a really good team. They've got one of the best defensemen in the game. They've got some of the best 
offensive players in the game uh, with McKinnon and, and company. So Landeskog, like this is a good team. They're set up to, to win the central again and make another deep run. If not win another Stanley cup. Yeah. It, it's, it's hard to argue that they lost a ton of depth here in the off season. Uh, but they made moves uh, to patch holes where they could with, you know, Alex Newhook, uh, Evan Rodriguez, uh, that starting defensive pair that they have, uh, Devin Taves and Kale McCarr, quite possibly the best starting pair in the entire league. Uh, so that tends to help things a little bit. Uh, and what what I love that they have done with a lot of this is they they're able to spread out their talent a little bit. You know, when you put all of your eggs in one basket on one line, it's a lot easier to defend against. But if you, you can be out there defending for, you know, a full minute against Gabriel Landis cog and he can hop off the ice and then on comes Nathan McKinnon. So you can, it's can be pretty demoralizing if you're the defenseman in that situation. I feel like there's just no way to win against this team. Uh, yeah, lost a lot of depth, uh, still looks really good. Uh, they still have their first round draft pick this year. So you could see them moving that, uh, towards the deadline to try to gear up for another run. But at the same time, they also have lost their second, third and fourth round picks, uh, with trades that they made last year. So would not be too terribly surprised if they decide to hang on to that, especially given, how good this draft is going to be this year. Yeah, it's well, that, that, that raises a great point with not having those draft picks does make it a little interesting as you uh, approach the deadline. Cause yeah, every team wants to improve at the deadline and that can be make or break your, your trade deadlines can be make or break on your run. But I do think Colorado is still even in a position of maybe low end trades, like finding that, you know, penalty killer or something like that, that the, the little stop gap type of trades I could see them making. It's just, it really, honestly, to me, their biggest question mark. And this just comes from having watched the goalie for so many years is Georgiev being there now as their potential, you know, go-to starter. But I wanted to ask you about that because, because you, you probably know him better than most having, watch him for all those years, years yeah. in New York. But given that they got it done with Darcy Kemper last year, is it unreasonable to think that they could do it with Georgiev? It, it is not unreasonable to think that. It's just, I think that Kemper is a, is a better goalie. Georgiev is that type of guy that could, he just can sometimes give up the most backbreaking goal. So he's he's that goalie where he is frustrating because he can look like an everyday starter and then he can look like a guy that shouldn't even be in the locker room unless you need him to beat the crap out of Tony D'Angelo for being Tony D'Angelo. I mean, um, it's always good to have that. It is always great to have that type of player. So, you know, I'll, I'll say that he's definitely a team player. He definitely won't put up with with racism on the team and and ignorance, uh, you know, even if it was just something that they're that the guy's dad, you know, did around the house. And that's the way that they spoke at home. Uh, 
<laughs> we all know how I feel about D'Angelo, huh? Uh, so welcome to our show, only episode two, and we have a new uh, favorite fan. It's D'Angelo0904 Superfan on Twitter. That's not Tony D'Angelo's burner account. Of course not. Uh, yeah, of course not. Uh, Super Kane fan number one last year, and now wherever D'Angelo signed, I forgot where he signed, but now that guy's now now Philly. that team's stupid. Oh yeah, that's right, he's in Philly. That's right, because he's with. <laughs> that's right. That's gonna be fun to watch. <laughs> uh, so, so he was doing a thing where people were just asking him a bunch of questions one day, and someone asked no. him the team that he hated the most, and he said Philly. Oh yeah, I remember that. I I saw that. That was great, and now. He he's there for two years because it was the only team that would find him. Uh-huh. Uh, um, all right. So we're in agreement. The avalanche, they're still good. Still good. I want to move on to, the, yeah, I want to move on to a team that I actually think is going to end up being second place in the central this year. Uh, a sneaky good team last year. I didn't realize how good they were until I saw that they had 98 points and that's the Dallas stars. Uh, I actually did not realize how good the Dallas Stars were last year, and I think they're kind of one of those sneaky teams. Uh, and we'll get to it when we start talking about, like, the Wild and the Predators and the Blues and why I think the Stars will end up above them. Uh, but Ottinger, uh, you know, he's a solid player. I think they should be a really solid team. Uh, but, but, like, as much as I say they're a solid team and a good team, I'm very eh on the Stars. I'm very, like, eh. You know, they're the stars. They're eh, they're good, but they're not. Eh, they're not jumping off the paper at me. Yeah, if you told me they were finishing second, I'd be a little surprised, but not insanely surprised. Uh, if you told me they weren't making the playoffs, I'd believe that too. It could, a lot of pressure is going to all be on Jake Ottinger this year. That it's very much a team in transition. They're starting to hand the torch from you know. Tyler Sagan and Jamie Ben to Jason Robertson and uh, Wyatt Johnson and players like this that are going to be the next set of up and comers here. Uh, you know, when you have Ryan Suter on your defense, uh, it makes it a little hard to argue that it's a young team, mm -hmm. but I, it, it's definitely a team to watch as far as uh, going through to uh, bring it over to the next generation here. Yeah, um, I'm curious with them, and and that's like what I mean by like they're such an a uh, team to me that I was like, oh, the Dallas Stars. Well, they were in the playoffs last year, but they weren't that good, right? And then when I saw the 98 points, I was like, well, they were pretty good. So okay, but yeah, Ottinger is going to be the uh, he's going to be the big. Can he continue the momentum he has? Can he keep leading that team? Is he taking them? Because I think Tyler Sagan is is close to you know, being cooked for the price tag that he's carrying right now. Uh, still a solid player, but definitely not the player that we once remember him to be. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Dallas stars, I think could end up second. And it's mainly because of the next three teams that we're going to talk about. And uh, I want to start with the Minnesota wild, a team that I could see again, kind of like Dallas where I'm like, eh, on them, uh, Decent team, looks good on paper. Mark Andre Fleury in net, you know he's back. Who, who just who just does not seem to age in any way, shape, or form anymore. No, no, and he's not going to be the Vesna goalie that he once was, but 
he could still put together some solid stretches. And, and, and as long as he's putting up good numbers through, you know, like maybe a month or two stretch, and then he has a couple down games and then has another good month stretch. Like he could essentially help lead that team and steal some games that they shouldn't, shouldn't steal. But also I could see Mark Andre Fleury costing them as many games as he could steal. I can almost see them as a slightly better position Columbus because they have Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Zuccarello, uh, mm-hmm. which is somewhat comparable to Johnny Goudreau and uh, Patrick Laine. But uh, down the middle for him is Ryan Hartman, who's, you know, good, not great, but he's good. I, I wouldn't feel comfortable with him as my top line guy, but they don't have a whole lot else to speak of when it comes to centers. Uh, now the player to really watch on this roster this year is going to be Rossi. I know that uh, he, uh, while fans have been watching him for quite some time and they, there's a lot to be said about this potentially being a breakout year for him. So we'll kind of have to wait and see, but it's uh, there's a lot of potential here. And uh, you got to hope that they can make something happen sometime because those Parise and Suter buyouts are only going to get worse as time goes on. Yeah, and that's that's always been the thing with Minnesota is they've always just been that in-the-middle team. An in-the-middle team that's never taken that next step and never been able to kind of make the jump. So you would hope. And they've looked good in preseason. They've looked pretty decent in preseason. Yeah, and even with Parise and Suter in their prime, this wasn't a team that ever put together a really long run. No. So it so it's tough to say how it's going to play out for them one way or the other. But yeah. I guess I guess time will tell. <laughs> Absolutely. Um the Nashville Predators, I want to talk about them. They're they're another like, so for instance, the Wild, the Predators, and the Blues, I find to be the three biggest, like, I don't know how to feel about these teams. I feel good about them, but I don't know how good I feel about them. And the Predators are a team that I'm in that spot with because, yay, Philip Forsberg is back. Great player. But is he going to stay healthy? If he's healthy, that could be a real game changer for them. But also their upgrade on the blue line was Ryan McDonough, who we just saw was pretty much unable to really play any form of defense. Started to look a little like Dan Girardi as a traffic cone out there uh, during the Stanley Cup final. Just really like wasn't looking Ryan McDonough-ish. And we know know how injured he was. I was going to say that's got to be brutal to get traded a couple days after being in the Stanley Cup final, eh? Yeah, and 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 that's the thing is like, okay, maybe this is going to be a good year of McDonough, but we talked about it last week with Tampa where they're just a smart team that knows when to bail on those contracts. Like, what, I think McDonough is, uh, he's definitely a 6 million, I think he's 6.5 million cap hit or something like that. Um, he's definitely up there in a cap hit where it was one of those where why would you take that on and help Tampa with their cap situation with all of their stars that are about to get some raises, their young kids that are going to need the, the upgrades and you cleared some cap space for them by taking on a defenseman. That is, uh, I, and I'm, I, I love Ryan McDonough. I love Ryan McDonough. I really do. I think, you know, as a Rangers fan, he was one of my favorite players during that his tenure there, but he just did not look like the same player that I'm like, if this is what you're banking on, on your blue line, this could backfire. 
Well, and the the thing to keep in mind that whatever is in the water in Nashville makes people absolutely phenomenal defensemen. Uh, going, you know, it you can list off a lot of people that pass through there. Ryan Ellis, Shea Weber, uh, Ryan Suter, all they've uh, Seth Jones. All, a lot of people have consistently been top t- caliber defensemen to come out of Nashville. Well, uh, is that them or was that Pekka Rene? Or was it Barry Trotz? Oh, former Islander. Great. One of their best coaches they've had since the 80s. <laughs> yeah, but to to similar to what you said about Philip Forsberg there, he has not played a full season since 1617. Yeah. Uh, which was when they had that big cup run. He hasn't been the same since then. So I don't know if he has some sort of lingering injury or if he's just kind of getting up there in age, but it's when you can't count on your best player for the whole season, that makes you a little nervous going into it. Yeah. Um, St. Louis blues. I mentioned they're another one of those teams that I'm like, I could see them in the playoffs. I could see them not in the playoffs. Uh, I think out of the three, out of the wild, the predators and the blues, I think they have a better chance of being the third seed out of the central I definitely think they are the playoff team that I would, if I, if I had to go to Vegas and say out of those three, which one is making the playoffs, I'd put my money on the blues being the playoff team, but they're still kind of underdogs, but they thrive off of that. They seem to, and, and whatever Craig Berube did with that group, he's got everyone buying in and pulling in the same direction. And that goes a really long way. Uh, Similar to the stars, you can see, Excuse me. Uh, you can see some dif- some transitions happening here, as far as you know, going from Tarasenko and O'Reilly uh, go to Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo. Uh, they are you know both due for big raises next year. And hey, what do you know? O'Reilly and Tarasenko's both have their contracts coming up this year. Uh, yeah, if you are the Blues at this point, I feel like you have to continue to go all in with this. Yeah. Uh, be- uh, especially because, uh, you know, when you saw a lot of the Blackhawks when they got their first cup, they did it with Kane and Taves on entry level deals. So as these younger guys are coming off of these uh, these contracts, you really have to be able to take advantage of that production while you can get it at a lower price. There, uh, their their defense is aging as well. It, it just feels like. Uh, you know, the bottom is going to fall out from this team, but it's not going to fall out this year. It may not fall out next year either. Uh, boy, Jordan Bennington makes me nervous for this team, though. I, I'm they they sent Billy Huso to Detroit for a third, and it, it makes you really nervous about how they're how they want to go in net this year because their backup is Thomas Grice, who is older than we are. Oh my gosh. Islander fans know Thomas Grace. Again, I just, you're right. Like this is a team that when you look at them on paper, like the central is one of the most interesting conferences and specifically also because of the next three teams we're about to talk about Um, because it really is a four team division at the end of the day, three of these teams will end up getting into the playoffs. And and yes, I, I don't know. I just I like the Blues. It's hard to bet. It's hard to bet against them right now. But yeah, it's 
it, it would not surprise me if the age catches up to them and they have the Sharks fall off. If defense all of a sudden is two steps behind everybody. Uh, and I could, and you know, they could get interesting by the deadline as well, because like you mentioned, guys like Tarasenko are going to need contracts. Do you want to extend guys like that? Cause that, uh, what is Tarasenko? He's 30 now, I believe. Right. Uh, yeah. And he had been pretty he had put up good numbers, but yeah, he had requested a trade yeah. a few years back and I good think thing they, they didn't just... trade him. Well, yeah, well, similar to Philip Forsberg, he spent a lot of time injured over the years, too. So I mm-hmm. don't know what sort of return they could have expected for him realistically. Uh, but yeah, um, so that's uh, that's the St. Louis Blues. Uh, all right. Now let's get into the other three teams that exist in this uh, division this season. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets. It's going to be ugly. <laughs> it's going to be so ugly there. Uh, they should have sold off this offseason. They had the perfect opportunity to start doing that. But they're a team that's sticking with their core. Uh, Blake Wheeler, they took the C off of him. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. I, and the, there's a lot of mixed results that come from stripping the captaincy of somebody. Uh, usually when it turns into something that ends up okay, uh, you end up giving it to someone else and they have not elected to do that this year. So that feels like you're really putting a target on Blake Wheeler's back for something like that. But I could, I could see where Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler and Nikolai Ellers, all these guys really just go balls to the wall and are, able to put together something where they can go on a run. I could also see this uh, being the, uh, you know, the canary in the coal mine that signals that it's time to blow this team up. Uh, I cannot see it being anything in between. No, there's no in between with this team. The, the one thing that potentially gives them some potential hope for it is that you can never be that far out of it with a goalie like Connor Hellebuck. That's true. I mean, if if the league would, if the voters at least would have the testicular fortitude, as Mick Foley would say, uh, he would get MVP votes. Like he is, there are certain goalies that when you think of generational wise and during certain eras of, of this league, right now we are witnessing one of those goalies. It's a shame that he's stuck in Winnipeg because not many people in America realize how great of a goalie they have because, you know, it's, it's the Winnipeg jets. It's, it's why Winnipeg lost a hockey team once before. Uh, and that's not a, and listen, that's not a shot on the Canadian market. I understand Canadians love their hockey. I love hockey night in Canada. I love watching it. I love, I love that. It's as far as selling that team to the rest of the NHL fan base, nobody's getting sexy over, Canadian team, specifically Winnipeg. Uh, it's hard specifically to sell a team a, like that. <laughs> it's hard to sell a team when you can't find them on a map. Exactly. Yes. Like it's easy to sell Toronto, easy to sell Montreal, easy to sell Edmonton. Thank you, Wayne Gretzky, Mark Messier, uh, low, uh, that dynasty of the 80s. You know, like it's easy to sell that. You could sell me Vancouver. But if I tried to sell Winnipeg to just an average, hockey fan uh, you know they're not gonna give a crap even if i said listen you're gonna see one of the greatest goalie shows you will ever witness they're gonna be like okay that's great i see that out of new york every day 
you know, not to just toot the Rangers horn on that, but you can point, you know, I see that in Tampa. That's where the best goalie in the league is. Yeah, but mm-hmm. Hellebeck's right there as well. Like, he's a top three. He's a top four. Like, he's absolutely one of the best. The man does more with less. Yes, uh, exactly. I'll, I'll do credit to Connor Hellebuck. Or, excuse oh. me, not to Connor Hellebuck. To oh, yeah. Andre Vasilevsky. Yeah, Vasilevsky, as of right now, I have, I said it. He is still the best goalie in the world. Shesterkin made a run at that last year. But Hellebeck is right there. If if Shesterkin has a down year, Hellebeck is right behind Vasilevsky chasing him for the best goalie in the world. Not, um, to, not to take it back to the Preds for too long, but Dark Horse candidate for Vesna Trophy, UC Soros, could be coming into his own this year as well. Take that one to Vegas, folks. Um, I would. <laughs> all right. I think we... Eh, you know what? Let's screw it. Let's start, let's start with the team that's going to be playing at a college arena. Uh, the Coyotes. I want to see a game at this arena so bad. Oh, you! This actually has you wanting to go. Yeah, Arizona. I, I I don't know if I can make it work for a Red Wings game because it's going to be for a random Tuesday in January, and I just I don't know if it's worth taking that much time off. But if I if I had maybe some more frequent flyer miles burning a hole in my pocket, there's worse ways to use them. I mean, listen, Arizona's not a bad place to go. There's things to do there. Uh, isn't the, the, what, the Grand Canyon's there, right? Yeah, I, I've been to yeah. Phoenix. I like Phoenix. I yeah. I just like the idea of seeing an NHL game with me and a couple thousand other people, and that's it. Almost reminiscent of the time we got to see uh, an AHL preseason game at uh, at the Chiller. <laughs> Yeah, that chilled ponds, the the adult beer league uh, or arena where it has like a set of benches for the stands. Yeah, uh, wow, that was yeah. awesome. That was that was awesome. Where everybody was just standing up against the glass, and we were able to chirp Dan Ellis the entire time. <laughs> uh, that was yeah. Actually, just had the memory of that pop up as well, where I was like, "Holy crap!" A former NHL goalie just chirped uh, my buddies and I. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's exactly what it's going to be like. It's just going to be a couple thousand fans. I, I joked it last uh, in our first episode. Like, I'm looking forward to Greek Life Night. Like, I cannot wait to see Greek Life Night where it's discounted and the fraternities are there just hammered and the sorority <laughs> girls are there just like, why the hell are we at a hockey game? But it's Greek bonding. And the thing to keep in mind, Arizona State is, as far as college hockey teams go, pretty decent. Because yeah. it when, when you go up to states like Minnesota and Michigan and you want to recruit players uh, – being able to say, how'd you like to wear flip-flops and shorts to practice every day? That's a pretty good argument to make. I mean, uh, but Kessel stayed there for so long, right? Yeah, I, it's, well, he's in Vegas this year, but he yeah. uh, he spent some time there for a little bit as well. Yeah, uh, I, now, thought, I thought he, but I thought he had a, a no move clause as well and never accepted it. I thought that's why they never moved him. I, I think so. Uh, I He may have just signed in Vegas this offseason, but, you know, going from yeah. desert to desert has got to be got to be pretty yeah. easy for him. Uh, now, yeah. one thing that everyone's going to be watching this year is Jacob Chikrin. Uh, he is the, you know, real big uh, 
pedigree defenseman that's out of there uh, has been going through a will they, won't they thing as far as getting him traded. Uh, he's young enough that he's a good, he's still a good investment for it. And uh, according to Darren Dreger, there is all kinds of teams that are lining up for this guy. Winnipeg is in on him. Toronto's in on him. L.A., St. Louis. Uh, everyone wants a chance to kind of add this guy to their roster. And so I did a little bit of digging for it, and I tried to figure figure something for him because I could have remembered that this guy spends a ton of time injured. And what do you think is the most number of games he's played in a season? I'll say 55. 68, that was his rookie year. Has not come particularly close to it since then. Uh, now, part of that's COVID. Part of that's, you know, weird situations from the last couple of years. Uh, but even for those, he didn't play a full season. So if you have to count on this guy missing, on average, 18, 19 games every year, that makes it a little harder to argue that you should trade for the guy, much less that you should give up a first-round pick, a prospect, and a halfway decent roster player for him, which is likely the asking price. So I don't know. It depends on how much you're giving up for him, but making a move for Jacob Chikorin may not be the smartest move. Uh, I mean, somebody's bound to do it. There's going to be a playoff bound team that's going to convince themselves it's the move they need down the stretch. It's it's going to be a rental buy. You know, there's always there's always a sucker out there that will make the move. As long as there's one person that'll do it, you can you're, you're going to get it. It's just, you know, it's just the way it is. But the other nice thing for that when it comes to Arizona is that uh, Chikrin signed for two more years after this one, so they don't necessarily have to be in a big rush to move them. No, no. I, and and for me, I think I'm more interested in the Coyotes to see just how far they go to try and tank because the team that I want to talk about now has made no qualms about it, baby. They are looking to get that number one overall pick in the draft this year. Uh, and that is the Chicago Blackhawks. Is the number one overall pick helpful, Mr. Rangers fan? Explain uh, that to it depends. me. If you're, if you're not the <laughs> Rangers, you know how to produce uh, first-round picks. Uh, every other team, even, even, even expansion teams know how to produce their first-round picks. Only, only New York does not know how to. Uh, but the Blackhawks, I mean, dude, what can we say? This team has pretty much sold off everybody they can sell off. Patrick Kane's bags are ready to go at any point in time as well because he will not be there at the end of this year. I, I even really? would – oh, God, no. He is what absolutely gone. He is 100%. He is He is 100%. Bags are packed. He is just waiting for the call when that finally comes. I think it's going to be a deadline move because – his his cap hit is just so big that ten million dollars that they're going to need at least a you know part of that to be eaten up by the Hawks through the course of the season and then even half of that eaten at the deadline. So Chicago is going to end up paying him a lot of money this year for a, a season that they're trying to lose and then to get him the hell out of town so that they can tank those last like twenty plus games. Um, yeah, it's and, and I don't think Jonathan Taze could, might might be there as well by the end of this season because both of those guys have very politely, nicely said like, "Oh, we'd like to stay," but also here are the teams I wouldn't mind going to. But that's a big question about 
Kane and Taves at that point, do you think they actually want to leave? I, I do. I do. I really do. I, 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 I think that they see the writing on the wall that Chicago is, they, they just didn't send out a letter saying we're in a rebuild, but Chicago is very clearly in the, we're rebuilding and we're not going to try and do this on the fly. We're going to just do this the old fashioned way of we want to tank and we want to get one of those top draft picks. We're going to put our luck in the, we're going to put our faith in the lottery and hope that we end up with one of the top three picks in the draft this year. We're going to try and load up on young talent and hopefully we can compete again in the good, you know, like three or four years, you know, well, how bad could that be? And, and you see it with the way the team was put together. You know, you're you're going in with a goaltending duo of Peter Morazic and Alex Staylock. Yeah. Uh, you signed Max Domi to a one-year deal that we could trade him trade. at the deadline. You signed Andreas Athanasiu for the same deal. Uh, you the you know, they're, they're clearly making moves with the deadline in mind, with uh, acquiring draft picks in mind. Uh, they already have six picks here in the first three rounds. Uh, so they're definitely headed that direction, but I, I don't know. I think for some players, it's very important to them to have only played at one place. And maybe that's not the case for Patrick Kane. I think that's kind of important to Jonathan Taves, but you I know, was gonna, you all- uh, that's what I was just going to say is that I think Taves would be the one. Cause I feel like Kane's already been like, Oh, please don't trade me. But the New York Rangers, Oh, I'd like to stay, but here's the teams I want to be traded to the New York Rangers. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. it's been it, like it's pretty much it. It's it's pretty much it, it, the impression that I, the not big secret is Patrick Kane pretty much turned in one team to Chicago, and it's not going to happen until the deadline because the New York Rangers have no cap space. Well, you know, Buffalo could be big this year. We'll see what happens. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's just I don't know. I I I feel like sometimes we jump to a conclusion that somebody's dying to get out of there. And, and yeah. you know, if if you're the Blackhawks and you're got these guys in the last year of their deal, you should probably get something for them. Uh, but I don't know, man. Like, sir, for, for, I I don't think we can safely assume that every player has the same priority on something like that. And, yeah, and, it's true. And, and for some of them, that might be you know a very big deal to have been a Blackhawk, but only a Blackhawk and the Blackhawk and. Maybe he's looking forward to playing with Tyler Johnson. I don't know. Uh, the, <laughs> Who wouldn't be? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it, boy, you, you got to feel a little bit for Seth Jones at this point, don't you? I mean, what's he? He's 29? 28. 28, all right. So, you know, figure he's going to be, like, on the back end of that deal where that contract's not going to be looking so hot, but he's a good enough player that – you might be able to justify it, but yeah, he's definitely going to go through four years of just, please don't get rid of my brother. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> keep him around so that I'm happy. But yeah, he signed that deal. He signed that deal, you know, and it happens a lot. You sign that deal on the belief of we're going to make a run with this team, but then priorities change. Everything changes. And, I think it's wise for Chicago. I didn't understand. Like I understood the signing of Seth Jones, but I didn't because 
the signing of him, like in hindsight now, I don't because the signing of him seemed like, a, oh, we're going to try and keep this core together and we're going to ride this. We're going to ride, you know, Kane and Taves until the bitter end. We're going to keep this here. We're going to make those decisions the way some teams, the San Jose Sharks do. It can and, go and, great Pittsburgh Penguins or it can go San Jose Sharks. You never know. But yeah. then all of a sudden and, they changed course and it was very quick after he signed of, no, we're actually rebuilding. So then why sign him? Was it just to get to the cap floor? Well, I mean, there could be something to it on that. You got to pay somebody. Uh, at the same time, I think they are towards the bottom end as far as uh, how much of the cap they've used up to this point. Uh, so, you know, part of that is, you know, you're paying Kane and Taves over $10 million each. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I know uh, Blue Jackets fans felt a little uh, vindicated when he straight up said, I'm not going to sign long-term here. You guys should trade me. Oh yeah, I'll do go to Chicago and sign a new deal right away. And you know, the team wise, I think he has made a lateral move. Pretty much. It's, 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 he thought he would really like, I kind of feel for him because he wanted out of Columbus to be with a contender. Mm -hmm. He thought he was getting that. And again, once he signed that deal and it was like, great. And then the feel good story, they have his brother as well. Oh my God. Two Joneses. What's better than two Joneses? A rebuild. You know, like, I guess that's what they, they decided there. So it's listen, if there was ever a clear cut team that was trying to tank this year and trying to sell off, it, it's Chicago. It's, Absolutely. it's, it's what, it's what, you know, and you're a Red Wings fan. You can disagree with me on this, but it's what the Red Wings were for the past few years. Yeah. And obviously that gives me a very strong opinion on how acceptable this is. Uh, but seriously, you know, they're, they don't have rules against it. They don't, you know, if, if this was a problem, then the league and the general managers would have tried to do something about it. Uh, but at this point, you know, it's kind of, it, you know, if you look at, teams winning the cup it's not very often that they don't have two possibly three really high draft picks uh they're leading the team so it's just kind of the way things get put together and they gotta hope that this is a year where you, where you get a jonathan taves or a patrick kane rather than a uh neil yakupov oh yeah um all right we spent way too much time on chicago for a team that is trying to be at the bottom of the league uh, so let's move into the Pacific, which is well, man Nick, on I, man. Nick, I know you wouldn't want to do that without hearing a quick word from our sponsor. Oh, we have a sponsor. All right, please. Yeah, it's time for a word on our from our sponsors, a generic gambling app. Now, Nick, <laughs> you know the world has been starting to accept sports betting a lot more, but aren't you tired of the socialization that comes from gambling at a sports book? I mean, yeah, a little bit. Well, if, well, now you can download the new app that lets you engage in degenerate gambling behavior while also being isolated from your friends and family. That sounds fun. Yes, our new sponsor gets to systematically build a way to, for you to give away your savings all in the name of having more fun while watching a sporting event you were already going to watch anyway. Sign up now and get a, an offer for free money deposited into your account. And don't forget to use the code hockey show so we can benefit from it too. You know, we got to get our beaks wet. And the best part is once you've run out of the free money in this app, you're off the hook. You can just go download another one and they'll give you free money too. 
there's like a hundred of these and there, none of them are turning a profit. They're burning through venture capital money, hoping to get enough people addicted to maintain healthy profit margins and nobody comes out better for it in the end. So take advantage of the special offer before all of these gambling companies implode on themselves like the supernova it's destined to be. Of course, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the disclaimer, and I'm going to read it at a million miles a second so you have less chance of understanding it. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager and present in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Illinois, Virginia, Diego Garcia, the Isle of Man, Liechtenstein, Andorra, uh, the Ivory Coast, Southern Sri Lanka, North Sentinel Island, or Missouri. Have a gambling problem? It'd be far too much trouble to have you check one source for help, so we'll list a ton of individual ones so that your ability to stop making us rich is as difficult as possible. That's a generic gambling app, the first sponsor of the hockey show. You know... I'm very excited to uh, be gambling on my first matchup between the Blackhawks and the Coyotes. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna really make watching that game just actually a thousand times better. I, um, I have heard of a lot of like sports writers that get hooked on gambling just because it's like a te- a matchup bef- between two crummy West Coast teams. And just like, I don't want to watch this. You know, well, let me make it a little more interesting since I have to watch it for my job anyway. And yeah, let me let me bet the over under. Let me bet the first the first goal of the game. You know, let me bet uh, first fight going to come 10 minutes or less, you know, Um, which for the record, I feel like if you want to gamble, you should be allowed to gamble. (laughs) Moving into the Pacific side of things. Uh, let's start with, uh, a team that had a very interesting summer. Shall we, uh, let's start with the, uh, the Calgary flames. Oh man. Probably the team to watch out of the Pacific. I don't know that they made a lot of really good long-term moves, but, no, the, way, no. but the way the team's put together, Hey man, you win it all. It's not going to matter. That's going to be the next guy's problem. Exactly. That is it. That is 100%. You nailed it. That is how this team is built. This team is built on the, I think this team is still really good. I don't, you know, they lost Goudreau, whatever. This team is still really good. The core there is just really solid, but you're right. It's, it's built as a team of, we, we know our window is here. We've got, we made the moves for our window being here. I'm either going to win the cup here or get fired and somebody else is going to have to come in and clean up the mess when all these contracts are just piss poor and we're caught in that mud of we can't really get anywhere. We're, we're, we're stuck in the – we're just spinning the tires in the mud, you know. And, and you know what they say about getting your tires stuck in the mud in Alabama, my cousin Vinny, huh? Oh, no, I, that one went over my head. I'm sorry. Over, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're right. You're, I, I'm, I, you're, you're hundred percent right there with the flames. Yeah. And, and, and I was shocked a little going through the roster uh, here as I kind of said, well, you know, they have Jacob Markstrom. He's a good young goalie. Jacob Markstrom's 32. Uh, so it's time for my thinking to kind of catch up to that. I've just, known him as the next young big thing coming up out of Vancouver for the longest time. Uh, but yeah, they, I don't know how competitive this roster is going to look here in a couple of years. Uh, but if you got the chance to go all in like this, you know, those flags fly forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, next year you do get a little help. A uh, little guy named Milan Lucic is in the last year of his deal this year. 
Oh, it's about time. <laughs> I finally get that relief. I forgot he was still playing. Uh, uh, <laughs> I have not forgotten because it used it's kind of the one thing that I'm like, man, if you just did not give that contract to that guy, like it, it's the it's the contract well, that they was did given it. by someone that yeah, that's right. But take on that contract. Yeah, for no, no reason. Uh, yeah, no, they uh they had James Neal is who they traded for him. Oh gosh. I mean uh. <laughs> but either way, Flames are good. They are going to be fun to watch out of the Pacific. And and that's my thing. I think the Pacific is going to be it is such a strong, strong uh division. Uh and let's let's stay up in Canada right now and actually talk uh a team that it finally clicked for last year, got him to the uh Western Conference final Edmonton Oilers, man. This is yeah. A team. And, and they, and they didn't have to, you know, stack an entire division uh, to guarantee a Canadian team to get there to mm-hmm. be, to take advantage of it. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's, I mean, with that much offensive talent, so we, we talked a little last week about sometimes you can outscore your problems uh, yeah. and that they are definitely geared up to do that here this year uh, with, uh, Evander Kane was really surprising uh, for them to take that chance on him. Uh, but not only that, but to also re-sign him and keep him in the loop. Uh, I think they made a huge leap forward with their goaltending going from, you know, the shell of Mike Smith to Jack Campbell. And even if Jack Campbell wasn't always the greatest in Toronto, uh, you know, on a team like this, you don't necessarily have to be. Yeah. So, so it, they accomplished a lot last year. They might do even more this year. Yeah, if he puts up his Toronto numbers there, that it's just watch out. Like watch out for this team. It's it's not a forty year old goalie anymore. This is, this is a much younger goalie. You know, I I, I mean, I still think he's like thirty two or something like that, but it, maybe thirty. But like thirty, yeah. Okay, yeah. So he's young ish, but he's reaching that age for goalies where, you know, maybe he's got like three years left in him before it starts to slow down a little, but that's the thing you were moving from a goalie that was in his forties to, you know, 30. That is an improvement right there. Just an amazing feat in and of itself. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the Oilers this year. I, they're going to be really good. It's, it really is going to be fun with them. Um, Let's move to uh, – I'm just going to go down in order on this, even though that means we're going to end with Seattle. Uh, but let's move with L.A. I don't think this is going to be like last year because of how good the Pacific is. I think they got off to that really solid start, kind of maintained the rest of the year, and got themselves into the playoffs. But some of those players are a year older, Drew Doughty. Um and Jonathan I think Quinn. that's going to, yeah. And I think that's all going to catch up to them this year, uh, especially with, you know, the flames, the Oilers, uh, the Canucks and e- even the ducks to an extent. Yeah. The uh, it's, it's funny the way, if you start the season off with a good month or two, a lot of times you can just play 500 hockey the way through, and that's going to be enough to make the playoffs for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, how easy that's going to be adding another year to Anze Kopitar and company, I don't know. 
Uh, what I think a lot of this is really going to uh, hinge on is Quentin Byfield having a, another kick at the can here. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is supposed to be just franchise changing levels of good. And he had a very underwhelming year last year. So I am real curious to see what he's able to come up with uh, going into this year. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing. It's, it's, it really is. You, and you're right with. Start or a bad start can make or break your season because that's what happened with the Islanders last year. That horrible start to the season did them in to where they could have snuck in as a playoff team. Um, and that's the opposite effect though. LA got off to a really surprising start for all of us, which put them in that great position of just maintain, man, just, just keep the boat floating, get to the deadline. And they, they added some players at the deadline. They did their little thing, you know, and to make your run in the playoffs. Cause it's second season. You never know what's going to happen, but I, I just don't have faith in this team i didn't last year and they got in so you know that's not saying much but i just don't have faith of them being a team that gets back to the playoffs this year i just can't see it i'm kind of right there with you yeah uh the vancouver canucks though they had a season that sunk them on the playoff hopes with a bad start as well what was it they had they they had like an Islanders style similar like just a month of unable to even earn a point and oh, they were them. they were calling for the GM's head going into last year, and they yeah. got it. Yeah, uh, but I think that that terrible start is not going to happen this year because you have a coach that you and I know, you and I love, uh, a star of Slapshot, Bruce Boudreaux, baby. They got and Coach Boudreaux. I think any team that has Bruce Boudreaux has a legitimate shot at the playoffs. Absolutely. If you if you go back through his coaching history, he's missed the playoffs like two or three times, and it was usually because he was taking over a team midseason. Uh, even before that, every before the NHL, every level he has ever coached at, he has had championship level success hasn't come together in the nhl just yet but i'm confident it will for him one day and as you look up and down the roster for the vancouver i kind of think they're going to win the division if i'm being honest they are strong enough to do that they recommitted to jt miller as well so you know that this is a team that is despite what happened last year thinks that they have a good core there and i think they have a pretty solid core there uh, so they're committed to it, and, and yeah, I, I'm with dude. Boudreaux is that type of coach. He's a game changing coach. He's, he's, he's a Barry Trotz. You know, he's a he's a Laviolette. He's he's a Cooper style coach where this is just a guy that comes in and has had success every course of the way. That and, it's going to bleed into the locker room. And, and realistically, when you can roll out a top pair of Oliver Ekman Larson and Quinn Hughes. You're going to be doing pretty good. Yeah. And, uh, to be, and to be honest as well, he did turn that culture around and that team around last year when he was there. He made them competitive to where it was kind of like, oh, God, are they going to be sellers at the deadline? Do, do people buy into Bruce Boudreaux's systems? Everyone mm-hmm. wants to run through a brick wall for the guy. And having met him once before I for would. about 30 <laughs> seconds, yeah, I can, I can totally understand why. And when you have uh, some – 
even beyond, you know, Elias Pettersson and that sort of talent, you have Vasily Podkolson and Niels Hoaglander, who are really elite young talents there. They're seal on entry-level deals. And, man, you cannot pick a better coach to get them going on their careers. Oh, yeah. Uh, the biggest thing that jumps out for me is just that JT Miller contract and wondering exactly where he's going to be in the lineup for all of this. Uh, he reminds me a little bit of a certain New York Ranger you may know, uh, Bobby Holik. Do you remember Bobby Holik? I do remember the two years Bobby Holik was a Ranger. Uh, yeah, Bobby Holik was a uh, elite third-line center for the New Jersey Devils when they won their first Stanley <laughs> Cup. Uh, he ended up taking more money to go to the Rangers. They put him on the top line, and he just really did not pan out. And he and he would famously go on to say for years, uh, if you asked him, you know, well, why, why did things not work out in with the Rangers? You'd say, if Bobby Holik is your third line center, we're winning the Stanley Cup. If Bobby Holik is your first line center, we're not going to win the Stanley Cup. And I feel like that having that level of awareness for him, maybe after the fact, uh, says a lot about JT Miller. Uh, I'm looking at their line combinations and they were using him as their top line guy. I don't know how much of that is because it was preseason versus how much it's where they expect him to slot in with everything. Uh, but I've, but you know, a lot of this is going to, is I'm losing my train of thought today. Uh, a lot of me is really curious to kind of watch what they do with JT Miller and how much they decide to lean on him because if they lean on him a ton i don't think it's going to work out i think they are because i think they i think that's why they didn't trade him is they see him as one of their top guys one of their leaders i, I mean i think he's a pretty solid player uh, i was upset that i was upset when the rangers uh, like i didn't understand the rangers mindset of trading him when they were in that rebuild uh, it didn't make sense because of how young he was, how he would have fit perfectly for the rebuild. Well, they were contractually obligated to send good players to Tampa at that point in time, weren't they? They were, and uh, and 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 they got fleeced on that one because they were convinced that they were getting back um, a potential top level defenseman, and they got a guy that can barely crack uh, being the seventh defenseman on a team. Uh yeah, they're, they're going to lean on him. And, I mean, he had a big year last year. I, I mean, he was supposed to be one of the secret moves to, that the Islanders were making, right? One of those behind-the-scenes deals that Lou had uh, worked out with a GM that never materialized. Go figure. Um, I, 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 I don't mind them leaning on him. I The thing with that deal is I look at it and I go – and I went, it's a lot of years for a guy that's kind of getting up there now. That's, you know, maybe three or four years into this deal, you're kind of going to regret it. Cause that was the thing with anybody who traded for him, you know, yes, he had the year, he, he still was under contract for this year, but did you want him for just, was it a one year rental or were you going to extend him? If you extend him, you're running the risk of we're paying a lot for a guy that we might only get two good years out of. And then we're stuck in Milan Lucic territory of six plus million for a guy that really is a third or fourth line player at that point. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm really curious to see, I don't know if I can actually, no, I can't. 
Okay, so this new deal that he signed was signed by the new uh, Vancouver GM, Patrick Alvin. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, it might be pronounced Alvin. But anyway, uh, he, I think, could have blamed this on the previous administration if he just waited. But yeah. he didn't. And he locked him up long term. And they're going to, starting next year, they are going to pay him $8 million Eight. uh, okay. with a full no move clause for half of his contract and here on cap friendly it just says it ends uh at the heat death of the universe so <laughs> he's going to be around a while yeah he's that's 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 his home that's that's where he's going to be unless he gets bought out there's always buyouts you know that's that's the thing that teams yeah. do it's what i i always tell people all the time that if you see somebody sign a six-year deal realistically you got to look at that as a four-year deal because traditionally no trade clauses start wearing out or it becomes a minimum trade clause. You know, just look at Ryan McDonough, Ryan. We, we talked about it in this show. Ryan McDonough is not in Tampa anymore. He signed a deal, had a no move clause. And guess what? That no move clause expired. And the minute it did, they went, get out of town, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, we, and we want the cap space. And sometimes a player's real no move clause is how they're playing on the ice. That can mm-hmm. be a really big deterrent for anyone to trade for him. Uh, that that may be the case for JT Miller later in his career. Uh, but it's almost like buying a house at a certain point. You know, if you bought one today, you're locking into this one interest rate, but you can always refinance it later. Mm-hmm. So people people get locked into a contract for this. Oh, he's going to be paid eight million dollars until twenty nine. Uh, 29 you know well maybe but there's a good chance there'll be another gm by then and he'll have a way to get out of that i'm sure absolutely um let's move on to the las vegas golden knights who yeah oh boy uh that's a that's a team that that uh sorry knights fans you you got the experience of glory to start your uh expansion franchise but now you're in a position where I'm asking, who's even your starting goalie? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's acknowledged that we consume hockey more than so-called uh, normal, healthy human beings. Oh, yeah. Uh, I could not have told you a thing about Aiden Hill prior to last year, and I'm still not entirely convinced who Logan Thompson is. Yeah, I, I, I literally don't know who either of these two are. Um. That is, it, things got things things went south pretty quickly out there. I mean, they're trading away players for practically nothing. Uh, it's no, not practically lo- nothing. <laughs> literally nothing. Literally nothing. They got like a bag of pucks back, practice pucks, so they were already used. Um, it, it's like they could feasibly, though. When I do see the goalie situation, as much as I joke that. I do see it kind of like Columbus the year that they finally won a playoff series. They really didn't go in with it. Well, I don't remember them going in with goalies that were known. It was kind of unknowns, but the rest of the team just meshed well. So I think Vegas still has a decent team on paper. Eichel is still a good player, but it's just the goalie situation where I don't know what the hell I'm getting there because I don't know... I don't know who they are, so there's no body of work for me to look at and go, yes, I can trust this as a 1A, 1B tandem, or this is your starter and your backup, and this guy's playing 60 games. 
Like I just, I have no body of work to go on. So I, I can't possibly feel confident. And, and the, and as you go through their team, you start to really kind of look at people, but they, you, you also kind of realize that, you know, teams have that way of being able to cancel it out. You know, mm-hmm. you have Jack Eichel. Okay. Edmonton has Connor McDavid. Yes. And then you've got Mark Stone and they've got Leon Dreisaitl. And as you start, you know, trading back and forth like that, you know, Edmonton's depth really wins out there. Oh, yeah. And that's someone they're going to be playing a lot this year. And I think you can play that game a lot where you start kind of saying, you know, okay, they have these, you know, two elite pieces, but so does everyone else. Uh, and you start to look at what else they got, and it's not a whole lot to write home about. Yeah, it's it's not going to be a good year for the Golden Knights. It's it's going to be a rough year for for Vegas. That is, I mean, hopefully, I'm 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 actually more now. In all honesty, what I'm now worried about with Las Vegas is they've had the giant fanfare, they've got the audience. Do people stick around or will this cause people to start to lose interest in hockey in Vegas? And with LeBron James and the NBA sniffing around for places that they want to expand and the NHL has built them uh, two very nice arenas uh, in two cities that the NBA would love to put teams in. You know, you run that risk in Vegas of potentially, oh, we were the first team here, but as typically happens with hockey, we've lost it. (laughs) Now, I I, when I talk about Vegas, I would start by saying for the longest time, I said a team, a professional sports team is never going to work in Vegas. A third of the city works at night. Who's going to go to these games? Uh, so I was clearly very wrong on that front. So just so we can establish, I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to Vegas right off the top. Uh, based on people that I've talked to out there, you know, there's something to be said for the NHL going there first. And, you know, foot, they have the Raiders now, but, you know, that I feel like that doesn't cut into a huge part of the hockey season, especially when you're considering home games. Uh, so outside of that, you know, an NBA team could come to town, but a lot of people may just be bought into hockey as it is. And keep in mind, Vegas is a very transient city, too, where you have a lot of people that come there from other places. So the hockey interest could already be embedded in them. Yeah, uh, I do know that there are, I actually do know somebody that lives in Virginia and has gone to Vegas because they just went, I'm a Golden Knights fan that first year just fell in love with the team because they had gone to Vegas and it was that the NHL went there. I'm a fan of the team of a place where I love to visit, you know? So like they latched onto it and they've gone for games and stuff like that. So yeah. And and there is something to say. And, and, and I'm curious where that loyalty will lie. Will, will people there stick with the golden Knights through what's bound to be a rough season and, and probably a rough couple years as they, try to right the ship and, and fix the problems that have uh, really finally uh, f- the, the leaks have finally come because, you know, they, they were just that lucky expansion team, but this well, is what and, they should have been. And even beyond that, this is a situation of their own making. They, Oh yeah. Yeah. It flipped around. They traded away everything. Yeah. Uh, Thomas Tatar. Remember, they gave up a first, second and a third for him and yeah. then moved on from him the next year. 
uh, you you can really just start to go through it with Max Pacioretty, Nathan Schmidt, uh, Mark Andre Fleury. There's all kinds of players that they had there for a year or two and just moved on from them right away. Impatient owner meddles a little too much for my own liking. Uh, that can be a really difficult thing to manage going forward. And if they get that reputation that you know they're going to you know cast you out of here. You know, the second, you know, the tide starts to turn, who's going to want to sign there? Yeah, it's, I mean, Phil Kessel, but Phil Kessel's not really chasing a cup or anything like that. He just yeah. wants to go. He just wants to play in warm places where he can have fun. Yeah. Uh, I, but before we move on, I want to go on the record and say that I always felt uh, professional sports would survive in Vegas after visiting Vegas, because you are right. A lot of it is, is the casinos and stuff, but it's also a thriving nightlife. And if you put a sporting event there that I just, I was like, people will come. If you build it, people will come. Uh, and I'm waiting for major league baseball to try and get their, their foot in the door. Cause I think that is a place that will get all four major sports teams no uh, real soon. Yeah. I think they will have all four major sports teams. There's a lot to be said for there's uh, more to new Orleans than bourbon street. And exactly. there's a lot, and there's more to Vegas than the Strip. Yeah. Well, yeah. And everybody just knows the Strip, which is why it was one of those where I think a lot of people went, that would never work. And I was like, yeah, but you do have a population there that has nothing to do. And if they don't go to the Strip, well, now they have sports teams to latch on to and something to claim as their home and their own the way that we attach ourselves to professional teams. You know, oh, yeah. we didn't win. I'm not on the team. (laughs) What what did I do? I was just at home drinking a beer, cheering my team on. Um, (laughs) It's because I drank the beer and didn't turn the tap, the top of the can one way. That's why they lost. Absolutely. Um, All right. San Jose Sharks. This is another, you know, you've you've been listening. You've heard us for almost four hours say you could be the Sharks and have the bottom fall out. Um, it's only a matter of time before Mike Greer just starts selling everybody off that he can, right? I mean, you got to believe that's part of what he was brought in to do, to Mm -hmm. not necessarily have predetermined loyalties to players he signed or anything like that and just really be able to strip this uh, to the core. They, it's, I almost feel bad saying it because they have some really good players on this team, but they are also just aging out of it you know uh tomas hurdle is not joe pavalski uh timo meyer is not patrick marlowe they have you know some of these players are lined up long term but they're just not going to live up to what they had before when it was joe thornton with danny heatley on the team you know so i think and so i think their days of being a powerhouse are behind them but they really have a ways to go before they can start to build this back up. But once again, if there was a year to not be great, this is that year. Yeah, this is. And, and, but, and the difference with them in like Chicago and, and, and the coyotes and uh, I hate lumping the coyotes in there, but you know, they did do it. They're not intentionally trying to be bad. It's not an intentional try to be bad in San Jose. It's a, Man, Eric Carlson is just old and injured. Yeah. And he's eating up so much cap space. Uh, man, we got to get, like, we have to get Brett Burns off this team. And thankfully they did. But it's because Brett Burns really isn't moving at a pace that justifies what you're paying him. 
Yeah, you know, and, and and they're retaining Brent Burns for three more years too. Yeah. It's it's not a huge cap hit. It's two seven is what they retained, but you know but that's, still in order to get him off your books. Yeah, if that's your best defenseman and you have to retain that to get him off your books, what's it going to cost you to get the others off? So they're going to do a lot of retention, but they're going to try and get rid of as many players as they possibly can, and it's. And yeah, Mike Greer is the perfect guy to do it. Sure, maybe he maybe he has some loyalties because he was in that locker room, but not really as far as if he's trying to make his legacy as a GM. Because yeah, and anybody he didn't can play with them. these guys. Yeah. Oh, that's true. He did not play with a lot of these guys. Yeah. And, and when you look at their buyout history, they've got a couple more years before they can add anyone into that. But if they're not buying Carlson out by 2024, I will be shocked. Yeah, that's that's the one that really that was the one that broke the camel's back out there. I think if they never made that trade and then gave that contract, I think that they could have been in a better position than where they are right now. I don't think heads would have rolled the way that they did. You know, it still would be bad and we'd still be sitting there, but I think they could have been a little more penguins or capitals where it's like one more ride with this core, one more yeah. ride with this core. Yeah, I, I think Boston could end up looking like them in a few years mm-hmm. once uh, a lot of players start to kind of age out there. Uh, but I don't know how much I can hold it against him for acquiring Eric Carlson. You know, he at the time, he was the best defenseman in the world. You had no real way to foresee what those Achilles injuries were going to do to him. And at, at the time, you know, if you got the opportunity to get him, you get him. Yeah. Um, you know what? I do not want to end on the Seattle Kraken. So, uh, let's talk the Kraken right now. Okay. Um, I just, I, I will, I will hate myself if we end this episode on the Kraken and that is not a shot on the Kraken, but this is still an expansion team. And this is year two of Ron Francis saying slow and steady, slow and steady. And that's exactly what it is. Slow and much more traditional approach to an expansion team. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, I do think that they can be pretty okay. Uh, Not going to really, like, you know, there might be that, like, quick glimpse around, like, maybe December where it's like, oh, you see Seattle's kind of sniffing around the playoffs? Before it all, you know, starts falling apart when they consistently are playing the better teams. Uh, But Philip Grubauer is just going to be better, which is just going to give them a chance to win a couple more games. Yeah, I I would have a hard time picturing him turning in another year like that. Uh, Granted, he doesn't have a whole lot to play behind, Mm -hmm. uh, but he was way worse last year than he had any business being. Yeah, Uh, it was it was very surprising how bad he was. Yeah. And and there is so much young talent on this team that I think it's going to be a lot of fun to kind of sit back, you know, where we are and be like, Oh, that's, you know, Matt, Matty Beneers is there. And, uh, Oh, Hey, they got Shane right with them now. And then, you know, if you add a, another elite player to them next year, that is going to be a pretty scary looking team here in three or four years time. And they have 11 draft picks here for the 2023 draft. So I think they're thinking the same thing. Yeah. And and that's what I mean is, is it's slow and steady, slow and steady. Ron Francis has said it over and over again, and they are clearly following that path, which just means that it's going to be, like you said, it's going to be fun to watch the kids getting the chances, seeing what they have, 
where it's going. And then knowing that they have all these picks and that they have a lot of, uh, oh, oh, they, they have a lot of options, but it's going to be slow and steady. And, and they're, they're saying that uh, Dave Haxtell, their head coach could really be in the hot seat this year. If it doesn't end up working out uh, with him there, who know you know, I, oh, there I, are I, some very good coaches out there actually. Yeah. I, 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 tr- I don't know how many of them would be better than Dave Haxel, but you know that I always like to compare hockey to real world examples that aren't overly melodramatic. And I think what can really teach us a lot about hockey, Nick, is the French Revolution. Oh, all now, right. <laughs> now the, in France in the uh, 1780s, 1790s, there was a lot of resentment growing for the monarchy and they decided they were going to get rid of the monarchy. And that was kind of the easy part when you, you know, have the violent uprising for everything. What do you do after that? That's where things get really difficult. Then you have the reign of terror and you end up with Napoleon Bonaparte. So the way this isn't a completely incoherent rambling out of me is that if you're Seattle, you turn around and say, all right, we're getting rid of Dave Haxtell. Great. Now what? Well, you're going to go out and get Jeff Blashill? Nah, Barry Trotz. <laughs> I, I, if Barry Trotz didn't want anything to do with the Jets, I don't know that he's going to be too crazy about the Kraken there. And I would feel very bad for that market having to put up with uh, Barry Trotz hockey off of an expansion team and just slowly be lulled to sleep oh my every God. night. Just slowly watch a team just play defense for 59 minutes and then 30 seconds of offense to win a game. Um, hey, if it works, it works, man. It won him a freaking Stanley Cup and could have possibly won the Islanders one, but, you know, yeah, there's, there's a GM there that, that has always marched to his own drumbeat. Um, all right. Let's wrap this up with a team that I am very interested to watch this year because I I want them to get over the hump, and I don't know if this is because of how much I love John Gibson. Uh, you know, you want to talk about goalies that are some of the best goalies in this league right now. He is he is number five on that top five list in my opinion right now. So I don't know if it's mainly because of him, but the Anaheim Ducks, man. They were good last year and they were really good. And then they weren't and they were really bad. And that's what cost them making the playoffs. So it's hard to be sold on this team, but they did make some improvements to where I'm like, okay, this could be the year that they get in. I, I, I have them as a dark horse candidate type team for sure. They could, yeah sneaky good with this and it's not just having you know trevor zegris making the uh highlight reels it's trevor zegris and mason mctavish and jamie drysdale and maxime comtois and you go on and on and go through this roster it's like there's a really surprising amount of young raw talent that's available here mm-hmm. you just wonder if dallas eakins is the guy to mold them uh, I, I have a lot of love for Dallas Eakins. I think he's done a really good job with what he's had over time. I'm not totally sure how he is with younger players. I think I remember uh, he was he's popular with a lot of younger players, uh, but they said that in Edmonton too during his time there. Uh, but, man, I would love for John Gibson to get a chance to go on a run, and I don't know if a real young team like this is the team to do it for him. 
but uh, if, if I had to put down money, uh, I bet I would get some really good odds on the Ducks making the playoffs that would uh, make it worth making that bet. Yeah, that's that's how I feel. Is I'm like, if, if, if I'm in Vegas and I'm looking at the odds, I absolutely throw like 10 bucks on the Ducks to make the playoffs and know that it's a possibility and I'll walk away with some good cash because – Nobody's going to look at them and really think that this is a team that can do it, but I, I really do think that they could sneak in as a wild card. It's going to be tough to get in as the top three in the Pacific. That's, you know, the oh, Flames, yeah. the Oilers, the Canucks, uh, and, 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 you know, I'll even, I'll give the Kings that in the sense of they will compete. So you got those teams that you're trying to overcome, but we talked about how the central has like three teams that are trying to intentionally tank for the top three picks. So you know, you really just have to be better than three other teams. That That's it. Like, it's – I would not be surprised to see them in the playoffs. And, and, and again, I know that there is a bias to uh, really loving good old American boy John Gibson. So, you know, I really want him to have his playoff moment, even if it is just for one series. I don't care. I want him to have a playoff moment. And uh, I pulled up the betting odds just for the sake of seeing it. Odds to make the playoffs for Anaheim plus five twenty-five. That is absolutely yeah. worth throwing ten bucks on. Yeah, you throw ten bucks, uh, and that is not a throwaway bet. That is one of yeah. those like that. That you said it. It's a dark horse bet. Yeah, I I would have felt a lot better about it if Detroit wasn't plus three ten because that ain't gonna happen. <laughs> All right, so we got the Ducks as a dark horse team out of uh, the Pacific. That uh, that I, again, I think I, I I fingers crossed, man. I would love to see the Ducks get into the wild card this year. Also All worth right. mentioning: three second round picks this year, two third round picks as well. Really easy to package those together to move up yep. in the draft or load up on talent to make a run. Yeah, if, if you're in it at the deadline, you you've got the pieces there to make those those uh, those deadline buys. Wow, yeah. Um, yeah, put money on the Ducks. Listen to us. We told you this was all a spoiler to how the season was going to go. So uh, put money on the Ducks. And if you put more than $10 on there, you we want 5% of that. Wait, well, yeah, we got to throw up a Patreon for something like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I guess that is it. We have we have talked all of the hockey teams, baby. We've we've gotten the news out there. We've made our predictions, bold predictions, spoiler predictions. It's going to be a hell of a season. And this is where we ride off into the sunset and we aren't heard from again, right? Wrong. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we're not coming back because uh, after the first week, we're going to be like, well, that went horrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, John, thanks for uh, hanging out. Uh, you know what? You got anything you want to plug? Any you want social media follows? Uh, throw it out there. I'm okay. 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 <laughs> well, you can follow me, wonderful underscore radio on Twitter. Uh, I'm there. I tweet. I talk hockey. Not just Rangers. That's on hockey. So, yeah, that'll do it. All right. Bye, everybody. All right. Later, folks. Thanks for listening. I started drinking with me cousins. As far as I can tell, well, we never caused no trouble. In fact, we all worked out quite well. There was me and there was Billy making quite a scene with the beer and the vodka, the whiskey, and then many other things. 
the last week of October And we were by the falls in room number 32 right down the kitchen hall My grandfather told me, it's in your Irish blood, you see Broke down the situation and here's what's wrong with me Nothing left to say It isn't hard to figure out how I ended up this way 